break, draft, trade. Is a Gilly Garrick, uh, is that, that's his Instagram? A Gilly Garrick on Instagram, Garrick Gilly on Twitter, G-E-R-I-K-I-G-H-I-L-E. Garrick L-G Heil on Twitter. A Gilly, a special thank you to Garrick Gilly, a special thank you to Garrick Gilly for the original music used in this podcast, the previous podcast, and every podcast going forward. Do you know how to open a beer with a lighter? Yeah. No. I typically just use my teeth. <laughs> oh, now that. <laughs> Ouch. Do you just want to say RDT or Rank Draft Trade Podcast? Are we getting graded? <laughs> Mike. You're like, welcome back to Rank Draft Trade. Welcome back. I'm super flexy. <laughs> He's super flex. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Classic. That's going in the intro. Gigantor. Gigantor. <laughs> what does that mean? Which, never mind. I'm uncomfortable talking about big hands. Henry's blushing. <laughs> I know, it's awkward, guys. It's... As we do every episode. Oh. Yeah, no kidding. Like, duh. It's our name. The name Papa Bear came from? The Bear Crawl? Papa Bear Crawl. No, no. Big hands. Big hands. <laughs> Let's not go back into the hands. <laughs> Hold the entire Kenny Pickett hand in your palm. Oh, that's not that little. That's like good size. Good size. Jerks. Fantasy football with a side of psychoanalysis. <laughs> yeah, whatever's least appropriate. Henry, what date in December? 20th. Breastfed or bottle fed? I don't know, let's get a better look at him. You have to look at him. <laughs> yeah, supposedly, until you get to the combine. See, oh, it's the way he holds the mouth guard in his mouth, right? So you can tell. So what do you, what do you, wait, what's your prediction? Battlefed. He clearly misses mom. <laughs> Bowden was another one of your loves, Iowa. What? Yeah, that's usually a pretty telltale sign. Amazing. Classic. You need to coin that term. I like it. So the wrong Iowa. Okay, so we got Brees Hall and then Kenneth Walker. While I love it and it's extremely punny. <laughs> like, uh, Well, this is the intro. What is Iowa? I don't think we're having a moment. Mind melt. I got my notebook. <laughs> notebook, notebook. I'm gonna try not to sound like a dork. Nerd. Nerds. Nerds. <laughs> indefinitely. <laughs> Forever. Endeavor. Definitely. Indefinitely. Take it back to the top. Oh, God. All the way back. <laughs> Don't put that in there. Oh, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> you get a car. You get a first round pick. Yep. You're gonna get tackled by security. I guarantee it. In memory. You didn't. Do it. No. What? Am I fired? You're the fun one. When it comes to ranking, drafting, and trading. Classic. Even better face for radio. Do any of you know who Odafe Owe is? No. No, but you do. Oh, I figured it was because he was 5'9". Classic. Albert Oquebuno. Please don't make me say that name. (laughs) But you did. Henry actually took a nap. In his loft. He fell asleep on the table. Get off the couch. This is a classy establishment, sir. You see the piano in the background? We have a fireplace. You need to behave yourself. I'm sorry, sir, there's a button-up requirement. Definitely not going in the intro. No, do that. Nobody does. Oh, my God. Because you wrote a run-on sentence. Stop. Is it really? <laughs> I'd rather get off, still make out a little bit. I do. <laughs> Younger than Burrow? Excellent. Let's roll. You go. You go.
Welcome to the Rank Draft Trade Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Noble, also known as Noble G, the Queen. There's lots of exciting things going on in the world of fantasy football this week. We're talking about the combine. We're talking about franchise tags, contracts, blockbuster trades. In last week's episode, we talked in detail about ranking, drafting, and trading. We even discussed Iowa break in my heart in our co-managed league over Amon Ross St. Brown. And we'll see if he regrets that decision or ends up looking like the evil genius. I'm on the evil genius side. <laughs> oh my God. I thought you were going to tell me I pronounced it wrong. I'm like, come on. There's only room for one good saint. And we already have Mr. St. Clair here. So yeah, sorry, I'm on. Oh, yeah. Papa Bear got him instead. Mm, clawing his way. All I have to say is Miles Gaskin. We'll see if he uh, he wins out this year or if I win out this year. Ooh, that's not a bet I'm trying to make. Nope. <laughs> I'm not betting on that one. We'll see if you get to eat crow on that this year. As always, we're joined with our fantasy superstars in the room. We've got Mike the Mechanic. Mike Mechanic, isn't it? Mike, Mike the Mechanic. <laughs> Is Mechanic your last name? What? Mike the Mechanic Seidel. Back at it again. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> It's Mike, the fantasy mechanic, which is what I totally just made up on the spot as a one-liner, not something he has to hang on his... It's not like he has to get a gold chain that says the, the fantasy mechanic and rocket to work every day. Mike, the fantasy mechanic. Say hey, Mike. Hello. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> Our King Henry. What's up? And of course, Nick James, a.k.a. Iowa. We are gathered here today to bear testament and give witness to what we have seen occur across the dynasty landscape this week, and I'm excited to get into it with you guys. We'll get into who wins where. A trade wins down. (laughs) (laughs) Ba-bum Chang. So now that the combine is over, we've got some movement going on in ranks. Papa, let's start with you. Who's your top rookie riser? I'm going to go with Brees Hall. Maybe not so much a riser. I mean, he's always been at the top for me, but he's the first position player that's fantasy relevant that has solidified the number one rank in his position. Right now, if the draft were to occur, he'd be my one-on-one, even in 12-team super flex, which is the standard format. Uh, he ran a 4.39, 40-inch vertical jump, great college stats in uh, 2020, over 1,500 yards. Last year, over 1,400 yards. 5.8 yards a carry. Just looked great. He's got everything that you want in a running back. Yep. Like you said there, top of the ranks. He's a riser if you didn't have him there. Yes. That the same way for you, Henry? Well, we're going to talk about a guy who proves the BMI is one of the dumbest measurements of physical fitness ever. Kenneth Walker, 5'9", 211. Got a BMI of morbidly obese, but I'll tell you, he's not. Ran a 4.38. He had over 1,600 yards last year, 19 touchdowns for Michigan State. When you're 5'9", 210, in college, that can be a power running back. In the pros, he's going to have to develop more as a in-space runner, which he did plenty of in Michigan State. But when he was at Wake Forest early in his career, he was used primarily as a goal line back. He had under 600 yards and 13 touchdowns. I mean, you tell me where he was getting the football. Uh, Kenneth Walker is still very young. I would expect him to be the second running back off the board. And when you start talking about when a running back is most valuable in their career, it's the beginning years of their career. It's the first contract. So Kenneth Walker, for me, would definitely be in contention for a top three pick, especially after running that speedy of a time at his size and weight. I think he's certainly someone that catapulted up from potentially, you know, top five, maybe 
six area to top three for me. I was kind of thinking he was going to be like the Javante Williams of this class, where you can kind of get him late first in some drafts he's going to fall. Uh, but after that combine performance, he's basically like a miniature Brees Hall. He's built kind of like Javante Williams, too. He's got like that... Uh, Javante was just so young that he didn't have like defined muscles so much, but he was just kind of like big and looked like a bowling ball and was like fast and would run over people somehow. And it's like Kenneth Walker's the same way. It was really his first year of getting a significant workload in college so he's still got a lot of tread left on the tires no significant injury history he's certainly someone that could blossom as a professional definitely has some of the same questions that people had with javante with the pass catching ability when he had carter taking a lot of the passing work from him he had 13 receptions last year and 19 in his career in college so definitely a question mark if he can be a true three down back or if he's just a goal line and first and second down right there with you Definitely taking notes on the running backs, rookie drafts in leagues with you guys. I know running backs come off the board very early. So those are two names I'm definitely going to be writing down. Iowa, who's your top rookie riser? Well, if I'm skipping over the running backs, which, you know, Brees Hall, just like Mike here, was my 1.01 going in, and that's basically solidified now. But at wide receiver, someone who I wasn't on board with when he started to rise after the Senior Bowl, who at least I have to give credit where credit is due with, is Christian Watson. Came out and blazed with a 4.36.40, and this dude is 6.4.208. He is a senior, a redshirt senior, no less. Also, coming from a smaller school, North Dakota State University, NDSU. But after impressing at the Senior Bowl, he started rising ranks. He went from like a fourth, fifth round pick in the mocks I was participating in to a second, third round pick after impressing there. And then now, blazing at the Combine, more people are going to be getting on board with that kind of a rise. If you're running a sub 4-4 and you're 6-4, someone you definitely have to take note of. Curious to see what kind of draft capital he gets like if he falls into more of like the Amon Ra territory or if he gets like Terrace Marshall draft capital but at least we have another North Dakota State University product going pro following the likes of Trey Lance and someone who uh, was traded this week and Easton Stick yeah who yeah the excellent backup for the Chargers a couple years ago I don't even know where he is now but he was he's one of those North Dakota State quarterbacks he could run and was awesome but didn't quite click Easton Stick. Nothing you can shake a stick at. <laughs> <laughs> ba <Ba-bum> ching <laughs> You had to throw Amon Ra in there, didn't you? you, you yeah. Just For trying no to. Yeah, I. Yeah. Mm. None specifically. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah, you're just trying to make that burn. I have one more riser, and it was at the quarterback position. Uh, Going into the combine, in most of the mocks I had participated in, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell in there with Matt Coral, and that was like the top four. After that, it was Carson Strong, and then either Ritter or sometimes even Zap was being taken before him. But after the combine, Ritter posted the fastest QB 40 at 4.52. He had the highest QB vertical, the longest QB broad jump, uh, measured at 6'3", 211. Four-year starter at Cincinnati. Uh, Last year, he threw for 3,300 yards and 30 touchdowns and eight picks, adding six touchdowns on the ground. And his only loss last year was to Alabama. So, you know, riding some of Cincinnati's success there. And he did it with other players who will be entering this draft, like Alec Pierce at wide receiver and Jerome Ford at running back. 
But after impressing in the Underwear Olympics, Ritter has risen up a lot of people's dynasty ranks or rookie draft ranks or even NFL draft ranks. Where are you ranking a quarterback in your rookie draft? Where where could you foresee taking him? Ritter specifically, it's going to be if the NFL likes that or not. Because if he falls to like a third, fourth round pick, then he's going to be at best a third, fourth round pick in rookie drafts. If he goes early, it's going to be hard not to take him in at least the second round, depending on his landing spot. If he's the Steelers starting quarterback week one, he's going to be in the first round of drafts. But that means that these other guys that we have liked more previously didn't get equally good or better landing spots. Yeah, he's kind of riddled with question marks there. You know, he's definitely writing his success into... uh, the draft here hopefully he can sneak his way into the back of the first that's kind of where i had him for nfl purposes back of the first some team trades up they they like his mobility he kind of strikes me as a game manager he doesn't have like the most electric arm but people said the same things about russell wilson when he came out it was you know he can't throw the deep ball not elite arm strength he's just kind of shifty uh there were questions that he was going to be underweight like under 200 pounds he kind of checked that box at 211 and then still ran 452 so with the speed i think it makes him interesting for fantasy if he lands in an offense that will utilize his legs i mean rushing quarterbacks just outscore the best passing quarterbacks when you have jalen hurts outscoring aaron Rodgers every week it's like you know something isn't quite adding up here i really like ritter as around that 10 range maybe where mac jones went last year and rookie drafts again depending on landing spot if he goes in the third round and he's a clear backup to you know some entrenched quarterback then no thanks But if he lands in, like, Pittsburgh or Seattle or something, then, yeah, sign me up. I think a lot of the quarterbacks this year are very landing spot dependent. I mean, last year we had, like, clear cut. We liked Lance. We liked Lawrence. We liked Fields. Love Zach Wilson. Some of us like Zach Wilson. Regardless of really the landing spot, even pre-draft, we had them ranked pretty similarly to, you know, how we ended up drafting them post-NFL draft. And this year, I don't really quite see that. You think we get more clarity as we get closer to the draft? Maybe some teams trade up and there's some whispers of, this team traded up and they want Matt Coral at pick eight, or they want Kenny Pickett at pick five. Like Carolina right now seems heavily linked to Pickett, which if he goes in as the starter, where do you guys have him? Does he top five rookie pick as a starting quarterback, or does Carolina scare you? I'm curious to see what they do with Darnold. Because if it's a Darnold first half of the season, Pickett second half of the season, I can see him sliding. But any QB that ends up with the opportunity to play in year one is typically going to be put above quarterbacks who have to wait a year, even if that quarterback is a little bit better, like Lance, for example. You could have argued last year, oh, maybe Lance over the generational talent that is Trevor Lawrence. But when Trevor Lawrence comes in and he's the automatic starter and Lance ends up behind Jimmy, there were basically no drafts where Trey Lance goes over Trevor Lawrence whereas if the situations were flipped it wouldn't have necessarily been the same narrative but yep not sure why Hurts outscores Aaron Rodgers you can find the answer in the rushing column and that is where I'm at with like Ritter is the at least he ran some it wasn't even like impressing rushing numbers but at least he's athletic which is something that you know modern NFL that's something teams are looking for so I'm curious if Ritter brings enough else to the table other than just athleticism to attract NFL teams 
All right, so we have our top rookie risers, such as Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Christian Watson, and Ritter. And, of course, with that, we always have to have some rookie fallers. So let's go with you, Mike. Who would you say were some of your fallers in the combine? My biggest faller so far is actually Traylon Burks. He was a guy that had a lot of hype pre-combine. DK Metcalf comps, supposed to be this athletic freak, possible 101 in rookie drafts. And then the combine happens, and he just does very good for his size, but not a physical freak like he was thought. He had an opportunity to kind of break away from the other tier, the other receivers, you know, that were kind of ranked around him there, and he he didn't do that. So he's a bit of a faller for me, even with landing spot, you know, as a top three pick at a wide at the wide receiver position. We were debating this pre-show because Burks is still my wide receiver one as we sit right now with the information we have. He wasn't necessarily a faller because he went from my wide receiver one to my wide receiver one, but I really thought that if Burks kind of tore up the combine that he could be in that C.D. Lamb or Jamar Chase level of value in rookie drafts. Even if he's not as good of a player, he's still that clear-cut wide receiver one who goes in the middle of first rounds rather than just clumped with all the wide receivers that go at the back end of first rounds every year. While he didn't necessarily fall for me, he kind of fell in a tier in confidence level because I do like him more than the like Garrett Wilson or Drake London, but I'm not as convinced that he's a generational talent, that elite tier. I would have liked to see more of the physical attributes be incredibly impressive you know a little shorter a little slower than expected but we knew going in that that wasn't his game i think if you're like oh okay Traylon burks i'm not even going to draft him or he's late first early second and not only will you not get him but you were putting way too much into just his physical attributes because i think a lot of people didn't really think that he was going to be as fast as metcalf or like just someone who's just going to blaze a lot of what makes him good isn't predicated on just being fast. So I still like Burks, but I can't really argue that he's fallen in overall value, uh, though he was never in like 1.01 contention for me. Oh, he was definitely not in 101 contention for me. And I definitely agree with the, with a lot of what you said there. I still think he's definitely a first-round rookie pick in our drafts. I just don't think he's going to be one of those early picks for me at this point. Wide receivers really are. No, they aren't, but when you have hype like that, that's mm-hmm. somebody, you know. Like Chase. It's really tough, especially after the last, you know, we had Chase, we had Jefferson. You know, people didn't see Jefferson pre-draft. I know he went for, you know, he usually went late first, early second. But I think people are gotten too used to that where they think everybody, you know, every year they're going to have a generational wide receiver prospect, and that might just not happen. I think we do this year, but I don't think it's Traylon Burks. Oh, yeah. He he might be a beneficiary of underperforming and undermeasuring just because at the top part of the draft this year, the middle part of the draft, there's a lot of teams I don't want a receiver to land. I mean, Philly, namely, or the Jets, you could argue, you know, maybe you don't love that landing spot. But if he lands in Dallas, Jerry Jones, big Arkansas supporter, their number one donate or whatever the proper terminology is there. If he lands in Dallas as the number two, or if he lands in Kansas City as the number two, somewhere at the end of the first round there, that could be way better than him landing somewhere with a subpar quarterback or Buffalo as the number two. Kind of like Rashad Bateman last year, right? 
he was supposed to be 6'4 or 6'3 and weigh a lot more and it just keeps shrinking and getting slightly slower and slightly slimmer. It doesn't make him any less of a good football player, right? It doesn't matter that Devonta Smith weighs in at 110 pounds, you know, obviously hyperbolic there, but if a guy can play, he can play. I never quite loved Traylon Burke's tape as much as others did, seeing him as like getting drafted higher than Jamar Chase or something. I don't think he's a top five, top 10 NFL draft pick like Chase or Waddle were last year. I personally would probably take Garrett Wilson over him just because of what I've seen with Garrett Wilson, although you could argue, you know, Stroud and Fields definitely fell for some people, but I don't think precipitously. I think a lot of, I think the receivers this year too, I mean, the same thing with the quarterbacks right now, we're really looking at landing spot there. Somebody that goes to like the Falcons, where they're going to be a clear number one wide receiver. It's a good spot with Matt Ryan, especially. Won't score any touchdowns. He's got to throw to someone. Yeah. A lot of yards, no touchdowns. A lot of yards. So Henry is our ultimate stats guy. He can hold more (laughs) stats in his head than any person I've ever met in my entire life. Henry, whose stats did not impress you in the combine? I think the number one faller of the combine for everyone was Kyron Williams. He played high school football down the road from me at Vianney. Uh, Great school. You know, he was okay. He was a nice guy. He played both sides of the ball, played safety, played running back, but ran such a slow 40 time. It's like mid four sixes and measured in a little shorter, a little lighter than everyone wanted to see. Saw some stat that, you know, if he succeeds in the NFL, it would just break the mold for guys that size running that slow. Obviously, played at Notre Dame. He was okay at Notre Dame. I don't know that he ever put them over the top. The combine just kind of probably took him from maybe a second, third round pick at running back to maybe goes undrafted, kind of like a Kylan Hill last year or Jamar Jefferson, where they were thought of to be this awesome, awesome prospect and then just disappear. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You want 200, 210 plus, and this dude doesn't even weigh 195 pounds. Uh, You want your running backs to be fast. It matters more for them than just about any other position. Not fast. You want him to be, you know, at least kind of big if, you know, he's not going to be fast. Not big. That was one of my biggest heartbreaks from the combine because I literally was willing to take him as the fourth RB off the board in rookie mock drafts until that point. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I had drunk goggles on or whatever, but waking up the next morning, I'm like, who is this? Yep, he was definitely surprised at 5'9", 195. You start getting 5'9", and someone that's 5'9", 200 plus, that's a good size on a guy that height, right? Like, you know, they have some muscle, probably probably some fat on him at that point, right? It's hard to weigh 200 plus, but just being undersized like that, you wonder if he can take the beating that comes with the territory of being an NFL running back. And you know that's what they're looking for. You'd think if you had the ability, you would have, like, just packed on some water weight so you can hit that mark. Mm-hmm. So it's either you don't care or you packed on as much as you could and that's what you got to. And maybe he did pack on weight and that's why he ran so slowly. But at the best, that makes him 4'5", mm-hmm. instead of 4'6", 5". Maybe he should have weighed 188 pounds instead of 195, which is almost more alarming. Mm -hmm. so whole bunch of flags there it just depends on how far he falls because he could if he falls to the third fourth round in rookie drafts he's gonna be worth a shot at that point Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I was ready to take this guy at the beginning of the second round if it came down to it. Maybe end of the first if he got a great landing spot. Probably the biggest faller for me and a lot of the Dynasty community. He was like RB3 on a lot of people's boards. It was kind of... Brees, I guess RB4 after Isaiah Spiller, it was Brees Hall, yeah. Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, and then it was, you know, Kyron Williams, Tyler Algier. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I thought it was Algier. Algier, the BYU running back. Nothing good comes from BYU. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah clearly not. Not even Steve Young. <laughs> no. All right. I guess one. <laughs> Taysom Hill. All right. Speaking of nothing good, let's move on to uh, Iowa. Iowa always has notoriously an absolute favorite every year in a rookie draft. Who isn't going to make that list this year for you, Iowa? It might have been Wandale Robinson pre-combine. He was someone who I was taking in the middle of second rounds and mock drafts. He looked great versus the Hawkeyes in the bowl game. He was the center point for Kentucky, a featured weapon there. He has had a great quarterback, Will Levis, someone to watch for in next year's draft. But Wandale Robinson, you look him up before the combine, Depending on where you looked, he was 5'9 to 5'11, so as tall as 5'11. Watching him, I literally Googled it again to figure out how tall he is because he just didn't look that tall. Well, combine 5'8, 178. This is kind of like Rondale Moore all over again, where I thought he was a couple inches taller and he's not. So I like Wandale. He's electric. He obviously blew up last year with over 100 catches and over 1,300 yards uh, for Kentucky, not even a little bit of a smaller school. Looked good, ran a 4-4-4, but falling in ranks. He's going to be down in at least the third round now. Could potentially fall enough to be a value, but at that size, he could end up being 2-2 at well. Yeah, he was a transfer from Nebraska, and you said it there, 2-2 Atwell. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge is another decent-sized comp, but he played more slot receiver than anything else, uh, probably due to the lack of height on the outside, unable to win. Rondale Moore, obviously, was a little faster, more electric with the ball in his hands. He doesn't quite have the uh, injury concerns. He's definitely a guy that loves football. I don't know how much that matters to people, but if that's a breaking point for you he's someone that i know is beloved in that locker room and brings his a game every day so if that counts for anything then that's a plus at least it's not a negative love don't score yeah, points right oh i think it counts i definitely think it counts it counts for something it's better than uh you know not liking football like josh rosen <laughs> he was too smart for football I don't even need football. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good stuff, guys. Definitely making lots of notes. This is how I get lots of info for my rookie drafts. I'm sure other people can get lots of information from you guys as well. Well, I go, hey, Iowa, who am I picking in this draft? (laughs) This is my scouting report. I'm listening to you guys. That's my scouting report. Uh, Moving on to some players that didn't test. Mike, is anybody moving in your ranks of anyone who didn't test? Yes, Isaiah Spiller. He didn't run. Might have been because of injury. They say he's going to run. I think it is pro day. Um, He did do the vertical jump 30 inches. Not great. Like a 9 foot 6 inch broad jump. Again, not great. 
the biggest problem with him for me was that Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall absolutely took the one and two spot at running back, and his absolute cap is at three. I don't think there's anything he can do at his pro day that can move him above them in my rookie ranks. Okay. He's supposed to show why he's the best running back in this class at his pro day. I think at best he shows why he's the third best running back in this class at his pro day. I was... Before the combine, I was taking him as the second running back off the board and thinking that Kenneth Walker would be the value. But after Kenneth Walker tested out like he did, I don't think he's going to be faded by just about anyone. So I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL agrees and uh, values him as, the, at worst, the second best running back off the board with Kenneth Walker making Spiller, at best, the third. Oh, definitely. Still a strong running back, but not top potential. No. I think he could be a landing spot trap where he gets like this great landing spot like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did and all of a sudden he's catapulted above guys that are just ranked above him and you end up just losing value on your pick. He could be the next CJ Spiller. I got. I had to stop like typing CJ Spiller in my phone when I'm looking up stuff on him. <laughs> How many years ago? No, wait, wrong guy again. Imagine lands in Buffalo. He could really be the next CJ Spiller. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But he look. He looks good in highlights as far as Spiller hasn't necessarily compiled huge seasons or consistent big seasons like Brees Hall or even one huge season like Kenneth Walker but I think he's a good running back so I'm interested in him pretty much wherever he goes but how interested definitely is going to uh, be determined somewhat by draft capital and landing spot for sure could he definitely could he potentially be your Vaughn this year Iowa uh, he's better than Vaughn, but I think like Rashad White or Zamir White could be this year's Vaughn, as in the running back who is in, uh, is obviously outside of the top tier, but boosted up due to landing spot. If either one of them get a good landing spot, they could be boosted up because they have some checks on the profile. All right, Henry, how about you? Uh, I'll talk about the quarterback, what, 6-7 here? Carson Strong. He's likely to be a mid-second round pick. Before the Broncos got uh, Russell Wilson, people like to joke that he would have been a great Denver Broncos quarterback. It's kind of that Drew Locke archetype from Mizzou a couple years back where he had a couple years of decent production in college. People always try to say that he'll translate well to the pros. Uh, Much akin to Davis Mills, he had two knee surgeries, one on each knee. Uh, He didn't run at the combine, likely due to those knees. He would probably be 4, 8, 5 or slower. Maybe some even speculating that he could have been a 5-plus guy at the combine like Dwayne Haskins was. Um, So I think not running that 40 might have hurt him. Definitely could have hurt him more if he ran it, I guess. Hopefully, (laughs) He's hoping it goes under the radar which will not stand for that. So for me, I think he kind of solidified his spot as the end of that tier of quarterbacks. Some people like Bailey Zapp. I'm not a huge fan of someone from a directional Kentucky school. At best, he's Kellen Moore. He's a big-arm quarterback that racked up yardage against simple coverage. They're like, hey, you're going to run four verticals every play and bomb it deep, and it's going to go over that guy's head. You know, it's not necessarily a... A great prospect for me, but Carson Strong did a little more than that. He was impressive at Nevada. I want to say they had Romeo Dobbs there in Nevada. Am I correct on that, Iowa? I thought it was Dubs. I was it Dubs? I have no idea. I just I just watched the games. Oh man, now I gotta look it up. But he had <laughs> Romeo there, and that was a good connection for them. 
you question if it's the uh, the chicken or the egg. We had Taj Boyd at Clemson, who had Sammy Watkins and DeAndre Hopkins, and one other awesome Clemson receiver was there. And it was, you know, maybe Taj Boyd is going to be a good NFL player. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish, you know, who was the beneficiary of whom with some of the Ohio State receivers, that was a fear. Justin Fields, you know, was he going to fall off without Olave and Garrett Wilson? Were they the problem? Every year with Bama, it's always the same situation. So if Romeo's awesome, maybe Strong is less good. And if Strong is awesome, maybe Romeo's not quite as great. Yeah, Romeo, a senior as well, who was at the the senior bowl. Okay, but uh, didn't have as much of a like a bump from the senior bowl as like Christian Watson did. But I don't know, man. The case for Carson Strong is weak. <laughs> Described as a statue in the pocket now, like you said there, knee injuries, you know. Obviously, that's going to affect your mobility. Maybe it's something where it gets a little better in the long run, but I don't think he's super athletic. And I think testing at the combine leaves it ambiguous. There's a saying that's better to keep your mouth shut and look like a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. So, you know, Carson Strong could look sluggish and not test and at least leave the question marks there rather than test and confirm what people have thought. So similar to what you were saying there, he could have hurt himself more by testing. I'm curious to see what kind of draft capital he gets. For whatever reason, I just think of like Ben Roethlisberger shuffling as he's running and thinking maybe Carson Strong could shuffle as he runs for the Steelers as well. Long shot, maybe. Hey, Ben used to move. Yep. As far as a guy who didn't test, he fell for me at least one spot and that's with Ritter I'd at least rather roll with the athlete and Ritter and hope he gets the draft capital now landing spot draft capital could change the narrative but if you made me draft today I would take Ritter over Strong all right so strong arguments for Carson Strong (laughs) Iowa any other quarterbacks that stand out to you that didn't test in the combine The clear and obvious one is Malik Willis, senior bowl standout. He did not test at the combine. If he had ran, I'm thinking he would have been faster than 4-5-2, which is what Ritter ran, making him the fastest quarterback at the combine, but he didn't. Appropriate or at least adequate size for a quarterback. Like I said, my assumption is he would have been the fastest one for what that's worth. He's one where he has a couple interesting notes on his profile. Might provide some yellow flags where if it was a different class, it might be different. But for me, this is the number one quarterback in this class. After 2018 season at Auburn, he transferred to Liberty. Each of the last two years, he posted 944 yards and 878 yards on the ground and ran for 14 touchdowns and 13 touchdowns, respectively, over the last two years. Classified as a junior because of COVID and all that, but uh, has four years experience. Of all the quarterbacks in this class, you hear it a lot. Oh, this quarterback class is weak. They all have various question marks, and some of them are stronger question marks than others. But one checkbox that Malik Willis has that all the others don't is the massive college rushing production. And that's something I absolutely love. Deshaun Watson said that Malik Willis is a clone of himself. Now, I'm hoping that's just as far as on the football field. I'm all the way in on Malik Willis. If he ends up on the Steelers, I would be having a debate between him and Brees Hall. 
So you so looking to draft him in your rookie draft? Yep, that's what I mean by that, Willis. <laughs> <laughs> there was a video that surfaced of Malik Willis at the combine helping out a uh, a homeless lady outside. Seems like a seems like a good character from what's been said. Like you don't mean to like assume someone's character or whatever, but a lot of the NFL GMs, much like Lance last year, one of the big talking points was like they really liked Willis. They're like he was loose, he was comfortable, like he was funny he would tell jokes he was super personable at all times like where some people might get nervous when they're like potentially interviewing for a job and this is their career and they like try to hide things and stay back he was like this is who i am take it or leave it he really looked comfortable throwing those deep bombs that he threw the combine while he didn't run he threw a couple like 60 yard bombs and it was just loose it was like his arm snapped the right way you'd like it to looked like a modern day nfl quarterback that can throw on the run from any platform any arm angle and then is mobile yeah and he ran plenty at the senior bowl so (laughs) if you were wondering if he could run as a quarterback all you have to do is watch the senior bowl and it's like okay yeah and that erases a lot of the questions of uh level of competition as well at the senior bowl Obviously, all those guys probably going to the NFL. And Liberty's not some, you know, awful school either. They're D1, and they played, you know, a respectable schedule. So definitely someone to keep your eyes on. The interview is a great point. I mean, at the end of the day, we got to remember, these guys are on job interviews. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get a job if they don't like you. Yeah. They said that he was a leader in huddles in the Senior Bowl and whatnot, like gathering the troops and getting everybody organized and set. Yeah. Those are things you definitely look for for a quarterback, too. I just, I don't know. I couldn't be more convinced that Malik Willis is QB1 for this class. For what it's worth, uh, I don't know the stats quite like you guys, but I do know Liberty University, and I do know that um, character matters big time at Liberty University. So I think that speaks very well for him as a player. You definitely would see leadership, but a lot of character coming from him. Sweet land of Liberty. I'm going to make a bold proclamation here. I think someone trades up into the top five for Malik Willis in the NFL draft. I really think someone jumps the gun and goes, this guy is the pinnacle he's the epitome of a modern day nfl quarterback he checks every box i mean seriously in this class he might be the only one last year they traded up for lance at the three spot and to me malik willis is lance without the question marks of taking a year off and not producing it's like if lance was worth the third overall pick malik willis is as well I said, I could definitely see the teams in the top five this year trading back because mm-hmm. none of them really have a desperate need for a quarterback. That's the premium position, so I could definitely see them trading back, especially like the Giants if two tackles go before they pick. Jets could definitely trade back. They still have another early pick. Even Jacksonville can trade back. They still have a lot of holes. Same thing with Detroit. Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Detroit and Houston seem like teams that would love to get out of there if they can. If there are any arguments against Willis, it's that he went from Auburn to Liberty to saying, okay, I'm going to go and play against lesser competition to do what he did there. Uh, It's hard to look as far as historical context with transfers because nowadays it's way different than it used to be. The transfer portal has basically changed the way you kind of look at stats. Oh, he doesn't have an early breakout. Well, what team was he on then? He might have been on two, three teams. Definitely some extra factors nowadays as far as looking at transfers and whatnot, but the fact that 
instead of going like from Liberty to Auburn, he went from Auburn to Liberty. It's at least like a yellow question mark as far as I'm going to go and perform well above competition at lesser competition. That's one of the only real things I have against him. I like Malik Willis checks all the boxes I look for and I cater to the rushing QBs That's how, you know, no matter how much it hurts, I have a lot of hurts. At least I got Malik Willis in this class of questionable QBs. Going to be another draft of you holding your breath with the Eagles, with all those first round <laughs> picks. Every time they're on the clock, you're going to be like, last year, Justin Fields. I know that scared the crap out of a lot of people when they traded up. Like I was watching the draft and I'm thinking, I was like, okay, I've got like 40% of my leagues have hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, please, 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 please don't take a quarterback. And I'm thinking like, it's like a 50, 50 chance. You're going to take a quarterback. <laughs> and then they trade up with fields on the board. And my heart just like sunk into the bottom of my stomach. I'm like, here it is. Here it is. And then they took a wide receiver for hurts instead. And who knows with Howie Roseman too, because, they're saying all the right things, him and Nick Sirianni, of liking Jalen Hurts, so like we like what he did last year, we think he can develop, whatever. If you look back at the quotes of what they said about Carson Wentz before they took Jalen Hurts, it was like, Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback in the league. They're like, Carson Wentz might be the greatest human being to ever touch the planet. And then they draft Jalen Hurts and wind up benching Carson Wentz. Well, they can't like say like, hey, we, we really don't like Jalen this year. We're a little disappointed in him and then not take a quarterback. And then you're stuck with this guy in your fucking locker room, in your locker room. Give me room. Cal Shanahan. You know, it's not like, you know, you, you can't really say bad things about the guys that you currently employ. Yeah, it is hard, especially if you, you know, want to keep your... If you're going to keep them. Keep your cards close to your vest as well, right? A team might jump Philly to draft a quarterback if they were eyeing one. Well, hopefully Philly isn't looking at a quarterback this year. Though, during the season, I I hypothesized that Malik Willis would uh, stand to gain solid experience behind, like, a Jalen Hurts for a year. Or Matt Ryan. Or Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, oh, you, he's your clone, huh? Well, we're going to draft him. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Texans, though. He's never playing for the Texans again. Supposedly. Who knows? Time can heal all wounds, right? Isn't that a saying? Seems like they've turned over so much of the GM and the, the coach now, Lovey Smith, is trying to, you know, build that bridge back. We're going to send Watson on a ferry across the river rather than build that bridge. I can hope so. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So we've gone over our top rookie prospects. We've gone over our fallers. We've got the guys who didn't test. Any other thoughts on this class as pertains to drafting? I think this class is definitely undervalued compared to where people had it last year, especially with all the hype for 23. I I think we have at minimum two great running backs and a good running back. I think we have a couple of solid receivers there and a couple of solid quarterbacks. I think that's a lot more than anyone had expected, you know, maybe even end of season last year, you know, at your trade deadlines when you're acquiring some of these picks or trying to trade away these picks. Definitely looking forward to getting, you know, Walker and Paul, regardless of landing spot for them. The other guys are going to be really landing spot dependent for me. I mean, I like a lot of the quarterbacks we talked about, but again, if we get a a draft pick, you know, like when Love was picked by the Packers, that's going to kill it for me. I like what you said about the 23 class being so good and the 22 class being so bad because inevitably there's going to be at least a half a round of stars in this class. For me, it's been what a late first to early second would be worth in comparison. And there are at least a handful of studs. So it's not like the 22 class is just bunk and you should get rid of your pick no matter where it is. 
similar to what you said there. Love those two running backs. Love Malik Willis. I like Burks, and I like several of the the rookie wide receivers there. But I'm not as happy with like what my second round picks would be in compared to prior years, and probably in comparison to what 2023 will be like. I just hate the narrative of next year just anointing all these guys to be awesome it was not that far gone past that there was a year where it was tank for Tua (laughs) tell me that he is better than Burrow or Herbert I mean you just can't and to sit here today and say you know Bryce Young who also at Bama I like Bryce Young but I also like Tua at one point and it's like you know he's one weird ankle injury away he's undersized like Tua CJ Stroud looks awesome for right now who knows I mean Spencer Rattler looked awesome and he's benched I mean seriously when you start projecting a year two years away it's like Joe Burrow came out of nowhere he was like a fourth year fifth year senior who puts up 60 touchdowns Zach Wilson relatively came out of nowhere having to compete for his job and then became the second overall pick every year it's like Jared Stidham went from top 10 pick to fourth rounder same with Ryan Finley it's every year we're gonna know that there's gonna be four maybe three three to five or six first round quarterbacks every year you don't know who they're gonna be you might get one guess correct you might get two guesses correct but someone's gonna come out of nowhere someone's gonna fall off the face of the planet and it's just like i don't know people were definitely undervaluing 2022 versus 2023 in my opinion definitely i think they're they undervalued 22 and overvalued 23 i mean 23 is a year away i mean i love to go ahead and build value and all but at the same time you gotta try to win it's like chuba hubbard or you'll end up just perpetually rebuilding your team over mm-hmm. and over again constantly just getting young players and just striking out over and over again it yeah so knowing these things how are you treating your upcoming picks and trades right now uh, as of right now, I'm not super excited to fix my quarterback position with this year's rookie class. There are several that have an opportunity to at least be worth rostering. I get it. But if I could trade for a vet, I would rather do that than use a rookie pick to try to fix my quarterback position because it could be like a whole bunch of Trey Lances. Not that as good as Trey Lance, but in the sense that you don't get to use them all year. So if you're trying to fix your quarterback position this year, you could fix it with someone who doesn't play at all this year and you didn't really fix anything at all this year. So uh, as far as rookie draft specifically, knowing what we know now, I'm approaching it saying that, okay, if I need to fix my quarterback position, I need to do it not through the rookie draft this year, at least. All right. Good stuff. So 101, who are you picking? Right now it's Brees Hall. Brees. And the only other one in contention would be Malik Willis. Brees and Willis. <laughs> I got my eye on Willis. So you better hope we're co-managing in that team. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't pick sooner. Yeah. yeah. Or I get the better pick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brees Hall did go to the second best college in Iowa. so <laughs> He did. Mm. But I definitely agree with you on not wanting to have to rely on getting quarterbacks in this draft at all. I know a lot of the orphans I took from you where I have the one-on-one because the team was just train wrecked and I need a quarterback. I That's probably a pick I'm looking to move. I think if you're sitting with the 102 or 103, you can be confident that you will get your pick of the litter at quarterback. I think there's going to be at least two quarterbacks, maybe two or three quarterbacks this class that you can leave feeling like they're a day one starter or at least first four weeks starter, right? Like Andy Dalton being the QB one last year over fields. Yeah. Or Cam. Or Cam. Yeah. I mean, it's just like with the Lance, we definitely thought that though. We thought Lance was going to take a figure out below the bye, but that one was a little more alarming 
And then we had some debate this offseason on whether or not, you know, as the Niners went deeper and deeper into the playoffs, how far is far enough to where they want to roll with Jimmy again? Because with the seats filling up, maybe they don't get the offer they want for Jimmy. They're like, you know, if we can't get a first-round pick for Jimmy, no one can have him. (laughs) Then no one's going to have him. It seriously seems very plausible at this point is they're like, hey, you know, first-round pick or we're keeping him. And I don't know if any team's going to desperately want to fix their QB situation, right? You'd need a team like the Colts to do it, where I think Reich's job has to be gone after the year. If they don't make the playoffs, they have to get rid of Reich. This guy's just churned out quarterback after quarterback. And he's like, we didn't have a quarterback last year, but this guy, this guy's going to fix our problem. It's like, <laughs> that only works for four quarterbacks. You only get four quarterbacks. Okay, right? Like, yeah. you know, when you vouch for Wentz and you trade away a first-round pick, and it doesn't work. Maybe we give you another opportunity. But if you don't turn it around quickly, you're gone. So maybe he p- pushes all his chips to the center of the table on Garoppolo. And you really think they're going to go for a third straight aging veteran quarterback in a rough situation? <laughs> I think they almost have to. I mean, it, seriously, it's like once you've dug yourself that deep into a hole, it's like, does ownership really let him get away with just like, well, that didn't work out, but you get another five years to find your rookie. Yep. Any trades for Jimmy G will be rewarded handsomely. God. <laughs> will definitely be the uh, the handsomest trade, yeah. Gorgeous Garoppolo. <laughs> as far as trading picks, though, you know, I don't know that I'm, like, looking to sell my picks right now. I'd wait till after the draft to look to sell a pick because... There's always going to be hype just with the nature of people watching the draft. People that are fans of specific teams, specific players, the draft capital of a player. Like if Brees Hall goes in the first round, people are going to be willing to pay a king's bounty for Brees Hall. You know, if he goes in the back of the first to Arizona or something and is like, Brees Hall is going to get 2,000 yards every year from now until infinity. He's worth my entire team. You know, maybe then I'll sell my 101. But until then, it's like I got offered Debo Samuel for my 101 and unwilling to take that currently because I believe that pick can only go up in value. It's like you get the best rookie. I don't have to tell you who that is right now. Definitely agree with you to an extent. I mean, I'm not actively trying to sell my picks right now, but at the same time, it, some owners are kind of getting a little desperate with some of their, their veterans. And if I have a couple of picks or something and somebody's really trying to get rid of somebody like Devontae Adams and I have a great team, Mm-hmm. I'm getting, you know, getting a huge value on that. I'm definitely going to look into that. Yeah, someone offered me like Antonio Gibson for the 101. I'd have a, I'd have a deep, long staring contest with them. I think I'd have to go 101 there. Nah. See, that's what I mean. And it's like that value is only going to go up until the draft. Seriously, and yeah. I think I'd take the 101 there. <laughs> but it's, it can only go up to a certain extent. I mean, uh, it, if the 101 is Breeze come draft day, I mean, what are we going to have the 101 value? Like, how much more could that possibly grow at that point? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like what's what's his height like, you know, where Jonathan Taylor is and that's if he had like what would he have to do to get there? Yeah, thousand plus yards at least. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna have to put up a season in the NFL before he can get into that tier, but saying that there's no chance of him getting into the top five jumping like, you know, maybe like Gibson or Akers. 
It's within the range of outcomes at the very least. But I, I do like what you said there as far as, you know, typically you want to sell your picks on the clock. On the clock. Because that's when the guy that they want is there and all they have to do is trade for him and they can have him and fear of missing out kicks in and they're willing to overpay to get this player they have their mind set on. It can work two ways because if that player gets picked... That next pick, if you try to put that on the block, nah, whatever. Their guy they wanted is off the board. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Obviously, with the 1.01, it's not like that's ever the next pick. It's always... Mm-hmm. It is currently the next pick, yeah. The first one. <laughs> yep, currently on the clock. But knowing that about where you value these rookies, best case scenario to worst case scenario, I'm not opposed to selling picks if i feel like it's a win regardless of who falls there Uh, i think some people lose on some potential wins by saying nope i'm just gonna wait until i'm on the clock and then when you're on the clock the last qb goes right before you and half the league doesn't want to trade for that pick so there's there's a point where it's like okay that's enough value to pull the trigger on a swap because even if it comes to draft day that would be selling high on draft day and i can get that now take it uh, but I definitely also understand the other side of the coin that FOMO, fear of missing out, is a real thing. And it uh, is in its highest intensity on draft day. Uh, we saw the backfire a lot in our leagues last year that we share. You know, like when we hit that tier break where Javante went and then the pick after, who, who wants that pick? Nobody wanted Mac Jones there. Mm-hmm. They should have. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back now, obviously they should have. But like once Javante went, that was a big tier break for us. Mm-hmm. You know, that pick dropped tremendously. You'll see him in some of the drafts and whatnot, but Stephen Murphy and I both were trading up into the end of the first repeatedly to draft Mac Jones over Devontae Williams. You mean over Devonta Smith, right? What did I say? You said Devonta Williams. Okay. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Uh, Devonta <laughs> Smith and over Waddle, but we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I think certainly Mac Jones over over Waddle now might be a little questionable to some, but he was definitely the safer pick at the time and certainly not a pick that blew up in your face. Definitely still worth probably whatever you coughed up to get it. Yeah. I had someone recently, I think it was in one of our group chats, ask, you know, I want to move into the top five or something similar to that. Is giving up the 108 and 110 too much or something? It's like, absolutely. If I'm sitting at like 105 or 104 and someone offers me two mid to late firsts, take the value all day long. It's like we say, if you can split one stud into two slightly less good studs, let me turn one slightly more expensive lottery ticket into two slightly cheaper lottery tickets. Yeah, someone asked, if I wanted the 1.01, I really want Brace Hall. Should I give up the 1.02 and the 1.08? Yeah, it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, the gap isn't that far. I mean, like, you can like Brace Hall, but, and I get it, the late first this year might not be as good as late first other years. I mean, late first two years ago, could have got you Justin Jefferson. I don't know that that's going to happen this year, but still, the gap between, even if you say it's Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, is not that far. We also don't know that Brees Hall's definitely that 101, like we said. Mm -hmm. He could go 102. Seriously. Yeah, quarterback landing on the Steelers could easily go there. Brees Hall could fall a little bit into the second, maybe. Maybe he doesn't get picked first. I don't know why we would trade for a specific pick to get a specific player when we don't have any of this information yet. 
That's exactly what it always is. It's sell on hype and the potential on everything, really. I mean, the moment Russ got traded to Denver, it was selling the potential that Judy takes a tick up or, you know, that it helps someone else. And go buy DK Metcalf off the fear that it hurts him. It's, you know, today, would you trade Brees Hall for Malik Willis and Traylon Burks? It's like, yeah, smash that every day of the week, twice on Sunday, immediately right now. You win that trade by a time and a half, if not two times. You start putting actual players and values to the picks, and it makes a lot more sense. But, like, when you're just blindly trading picks sometimes, and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're not looking up, maybe you don't have the information, maybe you don't have your own values together, it's really difficult to go ahead and make a decision then. You know, you see a lot of, like, you know, if you go into some of, like, the public forums and stuff, you see people asking about trading up picks and stuff and trading certain picks for players, and, you know, they're just asking random people for information you know they don't have anything that they're basing this on they're kind of just guessing and trying to get their guy so speaking of trades let's get into some real football going down this week uh we got the russell wilson trade russell wilson goes to denver how are we valuing players like Cortland sutton javante williams jerry judy what are we doing here Well, we're being very excited for the opportunity for Jerry Judy to finally be worth the draft capital invested in him in rookie drafts and startup drafts. People love to talk winners and losers of a trade. The only real winner I feel confident saying right now is NFL fans. It's so exciting watching a Hall of Fame quarterback get traded in their prime or like, you know, in the whatever you want to say. I mean, he's 33. I think that's still in his prime. And it's just, you know, the the hype and the excitement. We saw Stafford get traded and go win a Super Bowl and what he did for Cup and the Rams as a whole. And it's just it's this great time of excitement and potential, which, like we alluded to earlier, is potentially a good time to cash in on some of your Denver Broncos, right? With how people feel about Albert Aquegbenam right now, it's like he's locked in top 10 tight end next year to some people. And it's like, are we sure that this fourth fifth round pick from mizzou is the starting tight end for denver next year with free agency coming up the draft are they going to bring in competition he had an acl tear he played well last year he's a good player he could easily be a good tight end but this could be an adam troutman situation where people are anointing a guy before he does much of anything on the nfl field uh, you probably regret not cashing in on troutman if you didn't i mean i don't think there's any world where you're like yes i traded for troutman or i held on to troutman and then with judy it's like you know if you can get rid of him at the peak of this guy's going to be a thousand yard 10 touchdown receiver next year maybe it's worth it you start looking at russell wilson's you know what you think of him in your head and you're like he's locked in for four thousand yards and 30 touchdowns and he probably is so you split that up between sutton patrick judy and maybe alberto and it looks pretty pretty good for everyone but as we saw last year russ is not some sort of absolute lock to be an iron man and it's not like, you know, it's not like changing teams for every quarterback in the history of the NFL has always worked out and paid off in spades. Worked for Stafford, worked for Brady, worked for Manning for a year. Um, so pr- probably works for Russ. And then on the flip side, I'll let you guys talk about Seattle more in depth and everything that went on there. But it's it's exciting. Well, the jury is still out on Jerry Judy and Judge Judy. <laughs> Judge Judy. I think you might be judging him too quickly. <laughs> I think if there was a winner in this trade, it's the Denver Denver Broncos team as a whole because it was going to be hard to for them to bring in a quarterback and it not be an upgrade over what they've had previously. Now what they did go out and do is get a top 
old quarterback in the league and put it on the team. Now, Jerry Judy is about the same age as Malik Willis. This guy is going to be as old as a lot of the rookies coming in. Oh, he hasn't broken out yet. He hasn't done much yet. Well, yeah, he had a high ankle sprain and then, you know, has lingering effects afterwards. He's dealing with quarterbacks like Locke and uh, Teddy Bridge quarterback. And so he's not had the greatest experience there. Obviously, they did just pay Sutton. They did just pay Tim Patrick. They're clearly going to be part of the plan going forward. Jerry Judy, they did pay a first round pick. He's clearly going to be part of the plan going forward. Mike here has a sleeper on the Broncos there, which I'll let him talk about. Alberto too. But as far as Jerry Judy specifically, this is a huge winner in my book because he wins routes. So if you're going to be one who creates those micro separations and just, you know, does your job appropriately and just needs the quarterback to get you the ball after you've done your job appropriately, Russell Wilson is going to be perfect, man. I really think there's a great chance that Jerry Judy either breaks out this year or it's coming very soon. Jerry Judy was a huge winner as far as this deal for me personally. Would you say it's a lock that Russ is an upgrade? (laughs) <laughs> very punny henry now I'd you're taking say, iowa's yeah. lines i'm not trying to water down this take at all <laughs> oh man. yeah russ is certainly not a bridge quarterback <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah lock it in qb upgraded for sure definitely an upgrade there i mean as far as judy I have a lot of Judy. I probably have like 30, 35 shares of Jerry Judy that I've taken over the last, you know, since 2020. And I've definitely held on to a lot of them. And it's been a little disappointing. His value pretty much doubled overnight by getting Russ on hype alone. And I don't think he can go that much higher, even if he does hit this year. He could have a breakout season this year. And I don't think he can really get too much higher than what it is now. He's definitely a guy I'm throwing on the trade block, seeing what happens. If I can get like a doubled value off of what I've gotten, you know, would have gotten from a couple of weeks ago at this point. It's definitely something I'm looking into and trying to do. I'd rather get off and we can cut that part out. I'd rather (laughs) get out on Judy just under where his peak could be and still make out a little bit rather than either him break out and only gain a little bit or him not break out and just end up losing on the the guy. Uh, Another player on the Broncos I'm really interested in getting is KJ Hamler. He costs practically nothing. He's fast. He can run the deep route and he didn't have anyone to throw that to him. Teddy Two Gloves was not doing it. Locke wasn't doing it. Now he's got Russ. Russ had Lockett. Maybe he could fit that type of role there. I'm not saying that he's a guy that's definitely going to go ahead and produce. He's still buried on the death chart. He still has other guys there. He's got Tim Patrick. He obviously Sutton Judy. But he costs practically nothing and the upside is definitely more than that. I definitely like him as a late flyer. I think a lot of his problems have been centered around health but not having a great quarterback if you were to be healthy wouldn't have helped for sure kj hamler he was decent at penn state big special teams guy i'm curious to see if he is more locket and less freddie swain for russell wilson on the broncos said earlier you said lock it in how about lock it out of seattle think he's got to be one of the biggest trade candidates out there right now. Him and Robbie Anderson's another name that's kind of percolating in NFL circles right now. If Lockett doesn't get out of Seattle, I think it could be really dangerous for him. Dynasty-wise, he's already kind of past 
peak in terms of age. He's approaching that Adam Thielen territory, approaching age 30, which is where receivers go to die. He's losing his quarterback, the only quarterback he's ever known in the NFL, the guy he developed a connection with. It'd be like Devontae Adams losing Rodgers, except much less talented than Devontae Adams. How do you guys feel about the Seattle side of this coin? If they go ahead and trade for a quarterback and they end up having another good quarterback next year, Lockett will be just fine. If they go into straight tank mode and they actually think they're going to roll into week one with Drew Lock, as their starter, Lockett is screwed. He's definitely screwed there. <laughs> if they don't get like a, a you know quarterback upgrade, either a rookie or a Watson, not going to be great there. But also, I mean, he's going to be what twenty nine years old. He's already twenty nine, is he not? He's twenty nine already. I mean, how much more Lockett are we going to get? Even if we do get Watson, he's he's not going to hold too much value for too much longer. He is already getting up there in age. Pretty excited for Fant if they do get a quarterback there. But if it's Lock again, then we still have the same fan the guy that you know we're expecting to be a tight end one maybe and just doesn't get there metcalf i really am not too concerned with he looked really good with geno smith last year think he can pretty much get there with any quarterback even if lock is the quarterback there i'm still not getting too much lower on dk big target lock will hit him he'll only have him to throw to anyway some of the criticism of metcalf previously is just that russell wilson wasn't throwing to him enough and then Geno Smith comes in and, you know, he has his, like, best four-game stretch of the season. I'm not sure that Metcalf, I mean, like, in a weird way, he could almost be helped if he gets a quarterback who kind of just locks in on his number one talk target. Or if Lockett leaves, that would also certainly help Metcalf. Yeah. Yep. If Lockett's out and Drew locks in on Metcalf, it could be okay. Or even a rookie quarterback, he would be the most comfortable target on the team. I mean that could still he could still have a great year there with that. So I mean I I really think that either way whether they maybe they go into like a tank mode for twenty three for some reason and they run with Locke or they run with Geno Smith or they draft a quarterback. I think Metcalf will still put up a great season. I don't I haven't really changed him in my dynasty ranks at all. It is worth noting I think that Geno is a uh, free agent this year. So I would be curious if Seattle really felt uh, comfortable with him. I know he recently had a DUI problem. So Seattle may not be interested in him anymore. Curious if they go the route of Terod Taylor or Teddy Bridgewater. Potentially, you know, just some quarterback to bridge the gap between them and another pick next year they got from the Broncos or their own pick next year if they they feel the way that a lot do about the 23 class with Stroud and Young if they kick the can down one more year what exactly that looks like with Pete Carroll who knows um surprised that it's kind of a rebuild right you you could look at the rust situation to go "Hmm, it's not necessarily a rebuild until they cut Bobby Wagner and then you're like okay this is a rebuild you don't cut a Hall of Fame middle linebacker if you're not going rebuild and you see Lockett going like kind of on the trade block there and yeah why did they got Lock? I don't know mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they decided that their future home at QB is not on the team so they decide to stay a year in the Marcus Marriott <laughs> or get the Teddy Bridge quarterback. Yep. Mitchell Trubisky related pun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Henry. Uh, there you go. Henry, you're not too bad at the puns. <laughs> Give him a Trubiscuit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god you must be uh, hanging around iowa a lot because he's rubbing off on you mm-hmm. yep if your puns are degrading in quality i might be nearby we've got rubbing off yeah. Papa said make out and get off on only friends only friends Oh, I know you guys rank Metcalf really high, and he has the potential. He's always been a source of frustration for me. I want him to be putting up big points like he should be week after week, but I find myself always a little disappointed. I actually made a couple trades last year. One of them I think I got mixed in, which I actually ended up pretty happy with that deal, but we'll see. It'll be interesting how he ends up with this trade for sure. All right. All right. So the Colts traded away Carson Wentz. They currently are without a quarterback uh, going into the draft. They have a round two pick at 42, pick 42. Do we think they'll be drafting a quarterback? What do we think that the Colts are going to do now that they are, they need quite a few players? Well, I think getting rid of Wentz is admitting fault. Be like, my bad dog. <laughs> Get rid of Wentz, recoup some of that draft capital, and try again. My first initial thought was, okay, they have another quarterback in mind. And then after hearing some of the news afterwards, it's, oh, maybe they just realized they screwed up and just got rid of Wentz for whatever they could get rid of Wentz for. So they might not have a specific plan in place, but if they did have a specific plan in place, it's probably Jimmy Garoppolo, in my mind at least. They just got the draft capital to be able to make potentially a swap for him. Uh, What do you guys think? What do you think, Mike? Maybe a free agent like Trubisky over there. Um, I don't know if, like we were talking about before, maybe the price on Garoppolo is just too high. I mean, he's just a game manager, but that would kind of fit in great there. But I know Claire did say Trubisky before earlier as well. That does make a lot of sense. They could also get maybe a quarterback that falls in the NFL draft. Maybe to pick 42. Maybe Sam Howell. Maybe he drops. I mean, we've seen crazier. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have someone specific in mind, but I think they will figure something out. I don't know how that'll play out. <laughs> uh, I know Jacoby Brissett is back on the free agent market if they want to go uh, back to an ex-quarterback there. He's certainly available. People still draft him. Why? He's one of the better <laughs> backups. He played pretty well this year for Miami. Who was the booty call last year where a team was calling back on him? Oh, Justice Hill. <laughs> The Justice Hill, yeah. You know, he ended up having an Achilles Hill instead of a Justice one. Could be a similar situation. So what you're saying is Justice Hill, top 20 RB this year. I hear you loud and clear. 100%. Either way, I'm not too excited about whoever the Colts bring in. I mean, they don't really have much going on besides Jonathan Taylor and Pittman. When you talk Superflex, I'm interested in any starting quarterback. So figuring out who that is is worthwhile. Uh, Sam Ellinger certainly worth a stash if he's free right now, as he's the only guy under contract. They liked him a lot more than they liked Eason last year. Uh, not saying a lot, given that they cut him. They were probably going to cut Carson Wentz if they couldn't trade him, it sounded like. So Ellinger, maybe they like him more. Last year, there was a quote around draft time when they traded for Wentz, and it was, yeah, we could take a first-round quarterback, but the problem is taking the right first-round quarterback. So they obviously don't have a first-round pick this year. 
So to me, that screams that they are adding someone in free agency or potentially trading for someone because if they didn't like the prospects last year in the first round they can get, they certainly don't love the second round prospects they can get this year. You know, I would look out for Jimmy Garoppolo. I would look out for Trubisky. Mariota is interesting. Curious if they go try to kick the tires on a number of guys and have an open competition. Fitzpatrick, not retired. Dalton. These are bottom-of-the-barrel guys. Maybe they bring in one of them and draft some mid-round guy. It's it's gross. Whatever it is, Papa, you're right. It's it's gross. <laughs> gross. Are you saying there's going to be another two-week Andy Dalton QB1 season? Maybe. Yeah, Andy Dalton QB1. Whoever they bring in in free agency will be QB1 until he's not. Until Frank Reich's fired week six. <laughs> Give it two months. What's best-case scenario? They get a quarterback that falls into the second round at pick 42. Then why did that quarterback fall? Right. Those. Speaking of a player like Jonathan Taylor, who was such a dominant running back last season, are we worried in any way about his value with the Colts situation? The offensive line is still good. The defense is still good. Those are both great things for running back. You do want your running back to be next to at least a competent quarterback, or else the offensive as a whole is going to suck, and that'll negatively affect the running back. But if who they bring in is at least as competent as Jimmy G, I think that's good enough for Jonathan Taylor. He'd probably even be, you know, the poster child at that point. I was going to say, they could even focus on him more um, if they bring in a quarterback that's just not as talented. Still not concerned about his value at all. Not as talented as Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah, I know. But they could be like Andy Dalton, Mitchell Trubisky. Carson Wentz was so good, the Commander's Super Bowl odds dropped when they acquired him. Did it really? <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah, very funny. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> How about a player like Michael Pittman? What, what are we what are we doing with his value right now? He was someone I wanted to talk about. Wentz, historically, he's 6'5", 235. He's a big guy. He plays above the rim. He was a basketball player, which leads more to that uh, allegory there. But when he was in Philly, it was him and Alshon Jeffrey had an excellent connection. Zach Ertz, even Goddard at the beginning of his career. Travis Fulgham for a couple weeks last year, uh, or two years ago now, was with Wentz when he had his success. That was before Jalen Hurts came in. And Michael Pittman last year had a breakout campaign with him. So it's going to be interesting to see if if it was Pittman breaking out because he was the only guy in town and he got hyper-targeted, or if it was because Wentz's historical success with guys 6'3 and above and Pittman being 6'4 and big and Wentz just throwing up 50-50 balls. Because that's what it was most games. If you watch Pittman, he is not winning on his routes. He's not creating separation. It's Wentz throwing a back shoulder fade to a guy and just catching the ball over them which Pittman's very good at. Uh, I think he's a talented guy. Curious how much more they can hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor. That would be approaching Derrick Henry level workloads, which he's already kind of at. But no one's better at handing off the ball than Jimmy Garoppolo. We see it with Debo Samuel. Uh, maybe Paris Campbell can step into that role if you want to go down the Jimmy Garoppolo sort of narrative street. But getting rid of Wentz... Uh, Head scratcher for me. I don't know that you're upgrading over Wentz. Curious why Washington's Super Bowl odds went down. That's definitely an interesting one to me. I don't necessarily see how Wentz hurts them. He's certainly an upgrade over Heineke. 
if they have a deal worked out in the background for like Jordan Love, it'll make sense to me. That'll make that'll make me super happy. I would love at that. Least give, at least they have a young guy and with some of the unknown rather than Jimmy Garoppolo where we know exactly who he is. Someone who gets eliminated in the early rounds of the playoffs. Hopefully someone like Jordan Love or a comparable quarterback. Also worth noting that Pittman is like the only non-running back that's fantasy viable on the Colts right now. It's not like they, they have the opportunity to add a ton of different people that can really take that away from him. They don't really have the draft capital and how much money are they going to be able to spend. And also, going back to Wentz, he was quarterback 14 last year. Yeah, it was just like the unsexiest QB2. Yeah, but he was a high-end QB2 and a lot of people are acting like he was like a low-end QB2 or you know even worse than that. Yeah, seriously. He put up really solid fantasy numbers. He was a little flexy, though. Mm-hmm. Not sexy, but super flexy. <laughs> he was super flexy. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> you were plugging him in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mo Ali Cox, free agent. Zach Pascal, free agent. Jack Doyle retires. They've got Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin dueling it out for whatever they end up with because they're definitely bringing in other pass catchers. I'm definitely curious to see who they bring in. If they bring in a rookie, we talk about like Christian Watson or someone who we haven't mess- mentioned like Olave if they could bring in someone to be opposite Pittman Henry was saying earlier probably best suited for like a number two role or at least the possession wide receiver so if they could get like a field stretcher on the other side like Olave I wouldn't uh, wouldn't hate it I think he is almost a prototypical X build in the NFL mm-hmm. it just is not a guy that you want to hyper target He's not a guy that is going to run those intermediate routes. He's almost exclusively, to me, a red zone threat or a field stretcher. Kind of like DJ Chark or Corlin Sutton or Kenny Galladay, where he's just going to play on the outside. He's going to be touchdown dependent and big play dependent. It'll be very interesting to me. You said it there, trying to add Olave or Garrett Wilson. Again, they don't pick until pick 42. It's like they can only either add a rookie quarterback or a rookie receiver early or something. They are, like, screwed. They might be just up against it. Again, I think they have quite a bit of salary cap space since they managed to offload the Wentz contract instead of eat it. Mm -hmm. But this year is going to be a step back for the Colts, I would imagine. They've got to add someone at quarterback or wide receiver, hopefully both. It's not going to be the Texans. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be surprised if the Texans won that division. The Titans are okay. The Jaguars would need a massive turnaround. That division's kind of wide open right now. Titans were the only one last year. They'll be the only one this year. They were the only ones. I don't know. The Colts made it two years ago with Rivers, but I don't know. The Titans are going to win that division until Derrick Henry's legs fall off his body. They may have already fallen off. Maybe, maybe. So we got lots of question marks in Indianapolis for uh, the up and coming season here. Speaking of question marks, moving into Washington, who picked up Wentz, how do we feel McLaurin's value is going to be affected by Wentz moving into Washington? He's a definitive upgrade over Heineke. He's definitely the best quarterback they've had. Now, the curious thing is, right, is the narrative with Wentz. He's a guy like Cousins, where people just love to hate the guy. They're, you know, four to one touchdown to interception ratio, and you'd think he was the worst quarterback in the league last year, even by his own coach. So a lot of people probably don't even see it as a huge tick up for McLaurin. This may not be a great time to sell off the hype like it is for Jerry Judy. This might be a wait until midseason when McLaurin is having his breakout campaign with Wentz to potentially sell him high. He is a little older than you might think. One of those guys that came into the league at an advanced age like Ridley 
He's like already 26, going on 27. It certainly is going to be interesting with Curtis Samuel coming back. Diami Brown, third round pick last year. Maybe they add another receiver into the mix this year. Certainly a position of need, it seems, perpetually for Washington. They didn't give up a ton of draft capital to get Wentz, so maybe a pick 11, they look receiver. They could be a team that adds like a Drake London or a Traylon Burks. And then at tight end, Logan Thomas, still under contract. They might be able to move on from him. I'm not entirely sure how much guaranteed he had. A lot of injuries. John Bates, certainly worth a stash if you're looking to stash Kylan Granson. I don't think John Bates is much worse. And then Gibson. Wentz historically checks down to his running backs, at least middle of the pack, if not upper echelon in that sense. So Gibson hopefully gets the pass catching. Maybe McTrashick gets re-signed. <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully they don't bring in anyone better, right? What if they bring in, like, Melvin Gordon? That would suck. Don't go back to the Broncos, Javon. Or, uh, Melvin, please. I got to stop you at talking trash about <laughs> my boy, Chefs McKissick. <laughs> Four-to-one touchdown-interception ratio might have been a four-to-one dropped interception-to-interception ratio <laughs> for Wentz as well. And uh, while it might look all fine and gandy golden for <laughs> Wentz uh, with Washington, uh, they do have Logan Thomas coming back, who is forgotten in, in drafts right now. I understand he's an older prospect, but he is on contract for for this year so if uh, Bates is still progressing for another year Logan Thomas could be a sleeper at tight end but yes definitely some needs at the wide receiver position there if McKissick doesn't return I really hope that Curtis Samuel kind of takes on some more of like what a third down running back role might be it's something where like you get slapped every time you compare someone to Debo Samuel but if he could be like Debo Samuel light for the commanders then Curtis Samuel could take that step forward that we've been wanting for a while here but I think it's undeniable that it's probably better than Heineke Samuel did line up in the backfield in Carolina as well Mm -hmm. all the way back to Ohio State he had like 40 carries a season in Carolina I mean seriously it was like can it was like can Debo Samuel be Curtis Samuel Mm -hmm. I mean they have the same last name obviously a little ironic there but (laughs) I don't even like think of that until I just said it out loud I'm like I just had Samuel and Samuel huh right (laughs) but it's a Samuel of a different color or a different jersey different it's it's a different Samuel (laughs) (laughs) some sort of joke in there yeah canceled I would like to see Curtis Samuel return to what he was. When he did that in Carolina, he had the same coach that he currently has now, Ron Rivera. Mm -hmm. This is a guy that's very familiar with how to use Curtis Samuel properly. Mm -hmm. I expect him to use him in a way where he can succeed. He gave him a huge contract. He's clearly someone that he believes in the longevity of. I do wonder if he could have pushed to come back last year, and Rivera was just like, nah, you know, heal up. This year's just done, and we need you for next year. There were a couple guys like that last year where it felt like they could have pushed back if they were contending, like Hawkinson and Swift were kind of that way. Where if a guy didn't come back, it almost told me that the team like actually cared about that guy. It's like, you know, that guy's in our plans. The fact that we haven't mentioned Diami Brown just shows how much of a bust he probably I, is I mentioned Diami Brown. I, you know how much I, I like Diami. Give him a great quarterback like Wentz. Yep. <laughs> yeah, coach definitely knows how to use his previous players, like how he's using Kyle Allen as QB3. <laughs> yeah. And Heineke. Heineke was a former Panther at one point as well. 
There you go. I had a short love affair with Heineke this uh, this season. A lot of people did. That doesn't sound good. That did not sound good. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless of what you're doing behind the scenes with Heineke, he was someone I paid like half my fab for at the beginning of the season in Superflex Leagues and someone who was, you know, a viable option throughout the season. You hit me with like 50 notifications over that. <laughs> I liked him a lot, and then he kind of fell off there at the end. But I definitely, I remember even coming to you, Iowa, being like, I like this guy. I think we should try to get more of him. On our previous podcast, you'll hear me almost every week tell Iowa how bad the tape on Heineke was. I'll be like, <laughs> he's not making NFL throws. It's the worst motion I've ever seen. The guy, like, takes mm-hmm. the ball, like, pulls it up, like, does a weird windmill, like, softball throw. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I've never seen someone telegraph more passes take eight seconds to release it's like when you're warming up your shoulder and you're just swinging your arm around in a circle that's how heineke throws the football <laughs> seriously it was so bad it was so bad it was like if they did the the tracker thing it was like a full circle when he threw it it was like pull it back all the way hey. up and over the top it's like mm-hmm. so he's a little less <laughs> conventional it's okay no i love his story though old dominion undrafted and then went to the xfl as a backup for the battle hawks here in st louis and Jordan Ta'amu. It was it was a cool story. I liked Kurt Warner, also St. Louis. But uh, every Cinderella story, clock strikes midnight. Yep. I do like that. I do like when they have really good stories. <laughs> I tend to be that girl who wants to go after the uh, like. I really want him to do good because of his story. Well, you know, Heineke might be starting by midseason if Wentz is as <laughs> bad as he played in his last game. So <laughs> he'll get traded for traded for two fifths. <laughs> And a swap of fourths. I, I saw something interesting that it's like, you know, you ever seen the, the thing where it's like you trade a paper clip and you keep trading everything until you end up with something nice that Carson Wentz is like that, <laughs> except the opposite. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Brandon Cooks of quarterbacks. <laughs> Brandon Cooks goes for a first every time. Wentz just goes for less and less and less and less. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, that's how that went. <laughs> yeah, Heineke and Hertz. Jalen's big, uh, Iowa's big love affair is Hertz and Heineke, the guys that will replace Wentz at midseason. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about two guys who can run with the football in their hands while playing the quarterback position, however grossly. Yep. <laughs> grossly. Speaking of gross, the Falcons wide receiver core definitely took a ding with Ridley being suspended for the year, at least. Pending appeal, but more than likely out for the year. How are we feeling about Atlanta right now? I'm uncertain if Ridley counts against the cap this year. I don't think he does since he got suspended. That gives Atlanta a unique situation where they could give a guy like Allen Robinson a one-year contract where... A guy who underperformed last year who might be looking to reestablish himself as an elite receiver. Whether or not he can, that's up for debate. A lot of people probably are already out on him. But if you haven't gotten Ridley of most of your Calvin shares, now might be a good time, depending on what you can get. Mm. I saw him go for a 2023 third. I wouldn't be willing to sell him for that price. Mm. I just recently sold a Ridley share in a 12-team Superflex League. I received Terrace Marshall in a 24 2024 second round pick. 
Yeah, we were discussing that, and yeah, I'd rather take Terrace Marshall almost heads up over Ridley right now, just because in a year's time, I'll know if Terrace Marshall is a thing. Robbie Anderson may leave Carolina. Terrace could become the number two. Again, like we said with Denver, it's got to be an upgraded quarterback. There's no way it's not. Seriously, like, where can it go down from there? It just, there's no way. Terrace is a guy who is definitely a buy-low candidate. He's someone who, the uninitiated, if someone took over a team today and had never played fantasy football before, he would be cut from their team immediately. They don't know he's a second-round pick. He did what he did last year. He's the wide receiver 17 on Carolina. You know, he's He's gone. (laughs) Brandon Zilstra gets more action than he does. But, yeah, Ridley is scary. And then they don't have a ton of receivers under contract. It's Olamide, Zacchaeus, Russell Gage last year. Kyle Pitts, potentially a beneficiary of this, just based off target share. Uh, Papa always talks about his positive touchdown regression that should be coming because he had so many yards last year and no touchdowns. That's the way of Matt Ryan. If you've been following Julio's career at all, it's mm-hmm. just a thing with Matt Ryan. But whoever they add a receiver, you know, he's probably the best quarterback in the division. He's definitely top eight in the NFC as a whole. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. He provides a lot of value for receivers. Whoever it is, if someone lands there in the draft, that could be a wide receiver, you know, one or that could definitely catapult a wide receiver's value in the draft. Well, Ryan's definitely better than Darnold and Trask and Taysom Hill. And Trevor Simeon, yeah. Whoever you want to say is the... Gabbert. Gabbert. <laughs> <laughs> I see this as a two-part question. One, Falcons wide receivers. Losing Ridley definitely means they're going to bring in someone. They could draft a rookie wide receiver. There's a handful of other free agents who haven't been uh, tagged or renegotiated. I definitely see the Falcons bringing in someone but as far as Ridley I look at him and it's like all right let's put him into the 23 draft class Mm -hmm. so he's 28 years old where does he go if you were drafting and he was a free agent in the 23 draft class assuming that he's going to come back and play you know all 17 games or whatever he's probably a late first but as of right now you know you have to sit for a year without him so what's his pick value I think if you could purchase him for less than a second, then it's probably a value in the long run. Now, this is kind of league-specific. If there are 400 players rostered, Ridley's definitely worth being rostered. If there's 250 players rostered, Ridley is going to be an eyesore on your bench that you're considering dropping every week for whatever, whoever pops up on free agency. It does depend somewhat on like your league depth as far as what Ridley is worth to you. And like we said on the last podcast, it's not often that at this point in the year, you're like, oh yeah, this year's a wrap. Uh, I'm rebuilding. So there might not be a great market for Ridley right now. So for me personally, he would be like a hold until someone has decided that they're rebuilding and then flipping Ridley to that team that's rebuilding. But even so, even if you're holding him and, and, you know, we're in the 2022 season and you find a team that's rebuilding and you send it to him, what would you possibly expect to get at that point? Yeah, it's going to be tough. His value has definitely got to be like lower than like maybe even Michael Thomas. Yeah, I definitely take Michael Thomas. Isn't it right? 
right now? As far as a year from now, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, if, if it's a year from now and you assume that Ridley's playing week one for the Falcons with whoever they have at quarterback because it, this might be Matt Ryan's last year, what is Ridley worth? Uh, probably pretty close to what Michael Thomas is worth right now. I can, I can get behind that potentially, but with anything, it's minus the time you don't have him in value compared to what he is worth a year from now. So I think if you wait all the way up until week one of next season, he's worth a late first, but you'll never get that out of him. So like for me personally, like I, I want to hold Ridley and I probably don't even want to buy Ridley. I'm just, I'm just out Ridley, believe it or not. See, you were one of the first people off Michael Thomas though, which makes this interesting. When Michael Thomas mm-hmm. needed more surgery, you put him at like, you know, in the depths of hell in terms of value. Mm -hmm. To me, I think Ridley, it seems like his value should just get higher, right? Like Akers did, where he got hurt and Akers steadily over time regained value. Ridley, though, is just going to get older and they're going to replace him and they're going to have an older quarterback. And then it's like, where does Ridley go? Is he still an Atlanta Falcon? Is... Does he get re-injured? Does he even want to play football again at that point? Who knows? Like, that's a real question with him. Does the gambling resurface? Did he get caught throwing games at any point? How serious was it all? Uh, it seems like a lot of question marks there. So I don't I don't know what to do with them. I mean, I would definitely pay a third if my league settings allowed for me to roster him without sacrificing anything on my team. If your league allows you to put suspended players on IR, that's great. That would help out if you have like 25 bench or something wild. Also great. Mm-hmm. But in your shallower teams and like your 10 team leagues, probably not a player I'm trading for. You know, like I said, a deep league, maybe a third. As soon as I'm tanking this year, I'm going to be interested in buying low on Ridley. Specifically because of something you mentioned there, suspended players on IR. If he doesn't cost you a roster spot, that's going to be one of the premier guys to buy as a rebuild. He's not counting towards your max points for if your picks are determined by max points for. And he doesn't cost you a roster spot. That's going to be like a premier person to try to get on your roster at a discount. But as of right now, no thanks. I'd rather gamble on something else. (laughs) I think he's currently eligible for IR and maybe not even under the suspended category. It doesn't say... It says pup currently. For pup, yeah. That's going to change. Should. He's appealing currently, so it probably the suspension actually has to be levied against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I certainly don't expect that appeal to go his way. There was a player in 2019 for the Cardinals that wound up uh, betting against the Cardinals in a lot of games. And I, I don't know if it was Josh Bynes. It was Josh somebody, and he got suspended for a year, and he has not returned to the league. But there is a precedent that's been set for gambling. Uh, Paul Hornung did it back in the day, um, kept him out of the Hall of Fame, kicked him out of the league forever. It seems like it's a year, and then they will, you know, have done a thorough investigation if it was truly just $1,500 and whatever. It just is so crazy to me that someone made that misstep. Um, a player of Calvin Ridley's caliber as well. You know, perhaps there was some confusion over him not really being in the league at the time he bet and whatever it was but it'll also be interesting i know several leagues 
don't allow suspended players on IR, right? Like when Will Fuller got suspended, there were quite a few leagues I was in where suspended players aren't allowed on IR because to them, IR means injured and suspended's not injured per se. But a lot of leagues allow suspended players on IR. So Ridley could be valuable sitting there, right? No reason to pull him off your IR and trade him for pennies to clog your bench with a shitty third rounder this year or something. I would trade him for Rashad pennies. I would definitely trade him for Rashad pennies on the dollar. Actually, yeah, that does sound pretty good. Will Fuller, though, was the guy last year. That's the guy I never wanted. Man, I wonder I wonder where he goes, if he goes to Atlanta or something like that, but he's still a guy I... Maybe he goes wherever Watson goes and reignites some of that magic. If Watson plays. As far as you were saying with Ridley there, man, like, how you can make that kind of decision dude just needs to surround himself with better influences and that's why i'm thankful for you guys being able to surround myself with people who uh, i like a whole lot people whose opinions i value a whole lot and you know friends of mine in and outside of the fantasy space so i know we're running out of time here noble you want to let them know what we're getting to here in the upcoming episodes Okay. In the upcoming season, we are going to go into more detail about free agency with that being right around the corner. We're going to talk about some of the contracts that have been signed, some franchise tags. So definitely tune in for next week's podcast. We'll uh, discuss all that in greater detail. We do appreciate you for tuning in and hope you enjoyed our podcast as always. We hope you enjoy learning about ranking, drafting, and trading, and we hope we made all of your fantasy dreams come true. <laughs> Mike, let them know where they can find you. He's got to stop. Underscore. <laughs> I got to remember it. He's got to stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Underscore Papa Bearclaw on Twitter. Very good, Mike. With the uh, at symbol at the beginning. Very good. Very good. Henry? You can find me at, at ClairvoyanceFF on Twitter and at Clairvoyance on Sleeper if you're trying to get in some leagues, some startups. I'm sure we'll have a handful of them in the next coming months. Forget the franchise tag. Forget free agency. Yeah, forget the combine. <laughs> yep. If you would like to be franchise tagged and you know, forced to play in one of our leagues, let us know. Noble, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at NobleG underscore FF. That was perfect. Uh, well, I didn't know if I say because it's NobleGFF is what my name is, but then my little at thing. I don't do Twitter that much. I don't know. <laughs> Henry, stop laughing at me. Laughing with you. You can find me on Sleeper at Noble G seven eleven. There you go. Noble G seven eleven. There's the four one one. A year ago, this month, actually as of a couple days ago, I produced my first show, and here we are a year later, kicking off the rank draft trade podcast in style with all the homies. You can find me at Iowa in the NFL. And then where can they find all of this stuff, Noble? On Twitter at Rank Draft Trade, right? Yes, yes. What is it? Yes, that but with more confidence. Great job. No, no, I know. I know. I was like, is it, is it RDT? Rank Draft Trade? No, at Rank Draft Trade on okay. Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Rank Draft Trade. No cool sign-off phrase? I thought I'd give you homework. I, I, I said where you can make all your fantasy dreams come true. I thought that was my sign-off. Uh, and we didn't even talk about Noah Fant. We did a little bit. <laughs> what do you mean? Was that a joke? Yeah. Oh, God. Henry, you can get off if you want. <laughs> You're, like, tortured by this. Yeah, I'm definitely taking that sound bit. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Alright, I'm going to bed. <laughs> be like, I'm gonna be like, Zach Wilson, Henry, you can get off if you want. <laughs> you got me.